Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Relatable Voice podcast. The RV is en route to Michigan to speak with Ray McAllister. Ray is a master reflexologist and author of the new book, Wingless. So, Ray, welcome to the RV. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So, Ray, you mentioned that one of your hobbies is gymnastics, which you might be the first guest who's ever said that here on the RV. So how did you get into gymnastics? Well, the problem is when riding wingless, I realized I needed to learn some gymnastics. See, wingless tells a story about an ordinary man that ends up on an island where everybody, pretty much everybody has wings. And since he doesn't have wings, he has to learn to survive there. And he finds out that he's disabled because they aren't set up for someone who's wingless. They don't have stairs or elevators. One of the ways he learns to survive is by doing some basic acrobatics. Like someone needs to reach something, so they'll get on his shoulders and stand up on his shoulders and reach it. Those types of things. They also learn how to climb up walls with suction cups and ropes and rappelling, all kinds of other things like that. Now, the thing is, since I'm totally blind, which is why I wrote a book about disabilities, um, I needed to really learn how to describe these things. And so I went to an area gym in the fall of 2019. And um, well, first I had some people sit on my shoulders, gave them some shoulder rides. So some adult friends of mine, actually, and they yeah. had fun doing it. And then I said, well, I need to learn how to have someone stand on my shoulders. So I had this gym showed me how to do that. And I'm like, this isn't that hard. This is actually kind of fun. And uh, I've been learning, um, having fun with gymnastics ever since. Now I'm getting my handstand better. Other things that don't really relate to the book as much, but it's just fun to do. It is interesting, though, that uh, the idea of there being some sort of hand in the universe guiding things. If I had started writing just a couple months later, it would have been too late to go to the gym because COVID hit in early 2020 that locked everything down. I had just enough time to learn what I needed to learn in gymnastics to finish the book properly. And then I was able to make some friends at the gym and had some people to meet with once in a while. And I could learn what I needed to learn. If I'd waited just a little bit longer to write, um, I wouldn't have had that information. It would have actually delayed me at least three years. Yeah. Um, but I felt an urgency to write when I did. And well, uh, <laughs> it wow. ended up proving useful. And handstand is pretty tough skill to master. And I think it takes a while. So how long did it take you to do a handstand? Well, I can only do one for two or three seconds even now, but um <laughs> I've been working on it for a couple of years. I mean, you know, I am you know almost 48, so and I'm totally blind. I didn't have good coaching during COVID, obviously. It took me almost a year to just be able to kick up hard enough and roll out. I didn't do yeah. that much. And working on it a few minutes a day, I, my attitude is, no matter what, I'm getting exercise and having fun. So if I do 15 tries and 
and well, do okay, don't do extremely well. I've still burned a lot of calories and gotten some exercise. I'll be getting stronger. If I do really well, hey, it's fine. I'm doing better. So either way, I win. I only listed some of things you do, and you are a reflexologist. Can you explain to those who don't know what exactly is reflexology? Okay. If you were going to build an android, an artificial human being, wouldn't you want to put a touchpad somewhere on the person's body so something needed to be fixed? You wouldn't have to open them up all the time and tweak things. You'd want to be able to just do a lot of it externally, just push a couple buttons here, and okay, there you go. We're working now. Well, that's the way we're put together. We have these touchpads on our feet, our hands, ears, places like that that are no big deal to touch, not really controversial. And it actually does help the parts of the the body they refer to it you know, maybe helps send blood flow to the area which of course blood brings healing and life and i've i have a basically a master reflexologist um training that i've done and i had to do two big case studies and i could actually watch people improve measurably in the areas we were working on like diabetic blood sugar um improve um someone had gout and her gout started doing better by working certain areas on the feet I've seen it many times um, help people, even myself, actually. If I'm a little sore somewhere, I'll just hit the reflex uh, <laughs> area on my foot. Or if I'm in the Whirlpool tub, I have a Whirlpool tub at our house. It's really hard to get your neck under the jets, but I can hit the reflexes for my neck um, on my feet or hands, and it'll do just as well. Um, it's one of these things that's hard to believe and to experience it. And I have clients that come back and pay me to do it for them. So apparently they've, they've seen it enough to believe in it. But it's fascinating how, um, how we're put together. Yeah. And you've been doing so much, Ray. That's very impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Well, I saw for 12 years, limited vision. In 1987, I lost my eyesight altogether. and always had a, a faith journey, though, understanding the spirituality and relationship with God. I try not to be too pushy about it. Just it's part of my path. And I've been kind of more and more troubled at how the disabled just aren't understood in society. People, you know, people always want me to try to guess their name. It's drives me crazy. It's awfully childish. I mean, I'm 48, almost almost 48 now. I don't really I want to play that with everybody. If I know your voice, I'll just call out to you and, and call your name. I'll just know it. And people, you know, it's hard to find work. People don't always take you seriously. And people often want to assist me without asking what I need first. And that can be rather embarrassing. So I felt the need to to try to address these issues in a fun way that might make people read a fun story, but also learn a lot. And that's what inspired Wingless. You know, I actually had the idea in the early 2000s. I actually wrote a poem about it in um, around 2009. And it's just kind of gone from there, uh, developing it and finally getting it published. And can you tell us a little bit about your book, Wingless? Well, the character, we only know him as Barth, which is the name that the he's mysteriously given when he appears on the island, and he has no idea why or what he's there for. Um, <laughs> actually, right while he's there, he understands a little bit about disabilities. There's like this 400-foot-tall wall that goes around the island, and suddenly three people with wings swoop down, grab him, and carry him up to the top of the wall to ask him some questions. He's never seen anyone with wings before. He's freaking out, like, wait, are they rescuing me? Are they abducting me? He <laughs> doesn't know what's going on. And I, I do this to use a form of satire to 
address the issue of people assisting the disabled without even saying what they're doing. I've had it happen where someone would just grab my arm and like, what are you doing? I'm helping you across the street, but I'm not going across the street. Eh, it's just frustrating and disconcerting. And then they have someone who's trained to assist in wingless. She has wings. She's actually with an organization called the Arati, which is basically allies of the wingless. She flies up, sits next to him and says, okay, um, I'm going to help you down. Um, is it okay if I touch you? He's like, yes. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you get on my back and I'm going to tether you on to me so that you'll be firmly firmly tied on. Nothing will happen to you. And then I'll gently carry you down when you're ready. I mean, she's doing everything right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, once she's actually carrying him down properly, she's having fun. He's he's having fun with it. Like, wow, this is this is kind of cool. I feel like Mary Poppins or Peter Pan or something like that. So he has to get used to people not taking him seriously. He goes to get a job and people are like, well, you have a lot of interesting talents. Um, we've never hired anybody with your condition before. Maybe someone's trying to heal him of his winglessness. And he's, he's like, well, I don't know if I even want wings. Then I couldn't leave the island. I, I wouldn't work for me to be off island with wings. And there's a sign in, in, that might have in a store that, that says, for the aeronautically challenged, press here for assistance. Uh, but the sign is up on the ceiling, so you can't mm. reach it. Mm. <laughs> and then, of course, referring to the wingless by some long, busy technical name, aeronautically challenged. And you even have an election that they're voting for a proposition that mm-hmm. should benefit the wingless. And the voting areas are all up in the treetops. So if you're wingless, you can't vote unless someone helps you up there. Ah. So I deal with a lot of troubling and interesting and sometimes fun or painful, however you look at it, issues in this book to help people understand the universe of the disabled, how marginalized the disabled can be and what it feels like to not have anybody take you seriously. Otherwise, this guy is a, a scholar. He's given you know, written papers and read them publicly. People respect him. He goes to the island and they treat him like trash. Yeah, I think this book asks deep questions about disabilities and independence. For example, you are very independent. Yeah, I like to think of myself as independent, or at least what I call functionally independent. So it's something someone may do for me, but if I know how to do it myself, that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned you faced a lot of challenges during the writing process. Can you tell us more about that and how you overcame them? Because one of them was the fact they needed to learn gymnastics so I could describe things being blind. That that was easy. Um, I think one of the things I had to deal with was since I'm blind, I don't see as well. It would be harder to describe things in the real world. Because if I describe an office building, you're going to go, well, it doesn't really look that way. So I have the whole novel set on an island that I made up. And so things need to look reasonable, but they really shouldn't look the way you would expect them to look here because it's a different place. It's a different world that's cut off from the rest of the planet. So I can now describe things however I want to, just make them look cool. And that um, removed the need to make, okay, I got to describe this um, computer so it looks the way a sighted person is going to see it. Well, now, no, I, I don't have to do that anymore. I can have the animals and birds and flowers and just do what I want with them. Mm-hmm. And You know, Ray, I always talk about how I am an advocate for inclusivity, but I think a huge part of this advocacy should be knowing 
when to listen. So what do you think is the biggest misconception regarding disabilities? Yeah, the biggest one. Hmm. Um, a lot of it is thinking that we're all the same. Everybody has different skills. Everyone's disability affects them differently, uh, which is why it's really important to get to know someone. And it is important to listen to someone. I, I'm really of the belief that you learn more by walking a mile beside someone than by walking a mile in their shoes. The shoes aren't going to fit you necessarily. You walk a mile beside them. You can talk with them, listen to them, really see what their life is like. And I even have a character in Wingless. She's very kind. She's one of the Arati, the allies. She's actually the, the one who gave uh, Barth his first um, good flight when he took him off the top of the wall. Mm-hmm. And she once had him carry her around on her shoulders for a bit. And and then she's talked about how she tried climbing up a wall with suction cups and ropes and just just like said that this is hard. Um, Farth is kind of like basically yeah. lady, you don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he talked about going for a ride on my shoulders as, as if it's something fun. I mean, yo, it's fun for us, but we do it to survive. We need to read something. We need to get to know the person in case we need to do something in a more dangerous location. We need to know how how they move and how we can handle them. Talk about climbing a wall with ropes and suction cups. You know, your wings are right there. I mean, if something goes wrong, you can just fly away. If something goes wrong with me, I could die. Yeah. Like, well, I never really thought of it that way. And he says, well, you know, you want to talk with me and get to know me. Um, spend some time with me, eat a meal with the wingless. And she does later on that day, they do some practice, um, some of their acrobatics training, and she joins in. And when they're finishing, she says the comment of, I never really thought about how harrowing it is for you to do the simplest things. But I wanted to show her as a very good, good-hearted, kind person. She's not a jerk. She's not evil. She just doesn't understand, which is the way it is with a lot of people. A lot of people just don't understand. I mean, putting a blindfold on and walking through the building may help you understand a little bit about accessibility, but it's not going to help you know what it's like to be blind because blindness is a much different thing. Um, The way people treat you, always, you're not going to learn that by putting a blindfold on. You learn that by becoming friends with someone who is blind. Now, I mean, yeah, if you're going to be designing a building for accessibility, so you put yourself in a wheelchair and move around in the building, that might help a little bit as far as understanding what is inaccessible. But it really isn't going to tell you what it's like to be in a wheelchair all the time and have to go into a building that is not accessible when you actually have to and there's no choice. Um, and then there's you're having problems with it and you, you don't have the ability to just, oh, I'll just get out of the wheelchair and get around this. No, you're stuck in that situation. You're not going to learn that um, unless you're really around someone and really develop a relationship with the person. Ray, what do you hope readers will take away from reading your book? Something it's just an awareness of the world of the disabled And in some ways, the idea that disability is a relative term. Barath was not considered disabled until he went to an island where everybody has a gift that he doesn't have off-island. Off-island, he's a well-respected professor. Um, I have a PhD in Old Testament or Hebrew Bible, so I know a little about ancient Near East. So I work that in there that Barath is also an ancient Near Eastern scholar. Um. And where he goes to the island and he does some things with his academic life, he ends up doing other things to survive for a while for work. And he finds out that disability is relative. 
um, if the whole world were blind, blindness would not be a disability. It would be, quote, normal. Although I hate the word normal, but anyway. And winglessness is no big deal here. But you go to a place where everyone has wings, you're disabled. Here, you're not disabled. So I'm trying to show that disability is really relative. And if something was a disability, but everybody had it, it wouldn't be a disability anymore. And I think it just helps us think about who we are and how we treat people. Because we only treat the disabled different because we think they're different. And that's only because it, that's relative to the way the rest of the people are. Which, if you look at it that way, it doesn't really mean a thing at all that someone's different. And Winkless, you were oh. inspired by someone? There's probably a lot of me in the bar. A lot of the things that he went through was stuff I went through. Um, I tended to build a lot of, especially the Winkless characters, um, around different ways people respond to disability. And the people that are wingless, the people that are winged, just the different attitudes people have, the people that are really helpful, the people that aren't, they may be kind of nice, but they're never going to take you seriously. Um, the people that are really kind, but are ignorant. And, you know, the people that are, that are tough on the children that are, that are disabled and tough to make them become independent. And it's hard for them to do it, but they know that this child is going to have to learn to do this. And so we're going to have to be tough on you. We're not going to do this for you. You have to learn to take care of yourself. And so you have different characters with different ways of showing these. And you end up with a lot of different characters that way because so many different ways of dealing with disability. You had different people who are disabled by different means. And one person is disabled by a tragic accident as a little girl. Another of the characters he spends a lot of time with was became wingless because someone cut off her wings and a horrible attack um, just a year earlier. So she's dealing with the more recent trauma. And then these two women get used to living on an island. They defend them a few times. So you do have some strong women. It's not just men running everything. These, these strong women that help them become independent, but they don't just do everything for him. They teach him how to survive. They're teaching him all the acrobatics he needs. Okay, we're going to show you how to have some stand on your shoulders today. You need to know this. We both know what we're doing, so no one's going to get hurt. And then he starts doing, he starts to go, wow, this is fun. I never thought this would be so cool to do this with someone before. And Ray, you have an excerpt of a poem you wrote that you would like to share with us. Okay, and this is actually the poem that was written based on Barth's experience with that very kind lady that thought that she could just climb up a wall with suction cups to understand what it's like to be wingless. He actually didn't write the poem. Instead, he met someone on the island who was telepathic. And she, since she does, she does write poetry. She goes into his mind and gets the ideas he was thinking and writes it as a poem for him. And when she shares it with him, he's like, yeah, that's what I would have written if I was a poet, but I'm not. So you did a good job. Mm -hmm. And the poem is called Your Wings. You have your wings that let you fly through this life with grace and ease. And then you furl them and move about for a moment to say you understand what it is to be wingless like me. You have your wings and you try to find the most accessible route to the next floor up. But for you, it's only a game until it gets tiresome or discouraging. And then you spread them out, which I cannot, and leap wherever you wish. You have your wings. And you climb up a wall with suction cups and ropes, as I. But your wings are right there. 
and you know nothing of the fear I face, that something could go wrong and I might fall to my death. You have your wings. And whatever you do with them, however you try not to use them, everybody sees them. And nobody treats you as if you are different or strange. And they don't deny you work because they don't think you can do a job without flight. You have your wings and all the privilege they give you. And you will never begin to understand me until you do as heaven does and stoop to my reality and walk a while beside me, learning from me, listening to me, and truly becoming my friend. It's so beautiful. Is it in your book? Is yes, this- uh, there's... There are a lot of poems in Wingless. I, I kind of had the idea, I mean, the, the genre is sci-fi fantasy, but I had the idea of making it almost like a musical mm-hmm. movie where you have songs, but it's not so much that it'll drive you crazy. There may be like 14 poems through the whole book, but the poems help you understand disability, at least most of them. There's a couple of poems that are more riddles and you know, have fun. Since I do write poetry, I threw a few riddles in there too, but most of the poems are standalone poems you don't even need the book if you're somewhere you know, say if i'm doing a poetry reading i can just talk about the book for like maybe 10 seconds about winglessness and wings and recite half a dozen poems and they will carry their own weight people can understand what i'm saying i did that on purpose that way i could present the book recite poems and people would appreciate that and i've even had some people that aren't much in the sci-fi fantasy they'll buy the book because they like the poems mm-hmm. and there's a story here you know there's a this man has to learn to get a, get along with people there and help update this computer system on the island and save the world from a plot to destroy the wingless everywhere there, there's a number of things he has to do but in the meantime he learns what it's like to be disabled and these poems because one of the characters is a poet her poems help people really understand disability and you don't need the rest of the book, so you can share it with a friend, mm-hmm. and they'll read the poem, and they'll understand what's going on without you necessarily needing to fill them in on the whole plot. It also means I can recite the poem without having any plot spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. talk about the book for like half an hour to an hour and not spoil anything, because I'm just reciting poetry. <laughs> yeah. Can you share your your contacts with our listeners. Where can we find you and your book? Wingless is uh, any place where you buy online books, Amazon, um, all all those types of all those types of places. My name is Ray McAllister. If you punch in that name and Wingless and those types of things, it'll it'll come up. It's at Amazon. You can both get it in Kindle or paperback. Um, all kinds of ways you can get it. The, the main online ways of getting things. Uh, I live in Southwest Michigan. And if someone's near me, I stop by the house. I'll sell you a copy personally, but mm-hmm. it's it's online and you, you can get it there um, and start reading it. Well, you get it on Kindle, you can start reading it in a few minutes. Yes, I think your book is just precious. You are always welcome to the RV. And thanks. Thanks for having me, too. It's been fun. 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.